0: And I hope you do. I would invite you to turn with me to Psalm 133. Now this is Psalm 133, the song of ascents, a psalm of David. Once you have found your place, if you can and you are able, and it feels so good to say these words again, I would invite you to stand now in honor of the reading of the word of God. Psalm 133. We read, Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Let's pray together. Father God, we come before you right now, thanking you so much for this day. And Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to take these next few moments and to worship you through your word. Father, I pray that in the next few moments that we would leave all of our distractions aside, that we would look to you, the author and perfecter of our faith. Father, that we would see what should be our response as believers in Jesus Christ and in our actions and our words, may you and you alone be glorified. Father, we recognize in our world today, sin exists. But, Father, we also recognize that according to your word, there is a right response. So, Father, I pray that you would tune our ears, our thoughts, our minds to you and your truth. And, Father, in these next moments, may it be your word that speaks to us. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for loving us. Thank you for delighting in us. For it's in your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Now, before we dive into this particular text, um, if you're here today and you're one of those folks that likes to underline or highlight or circle words, or you're one of those people who show up and and you've got that fancy Bible pack, you know who you are. You've got the Bible thing that you carry. It's got the carrying case. Um, You've always been way cooler than I am. Trust me, because I can't keep up with those things. You unzip it and you're the person that has a black pen. So you are going to enjoy. And then four different color highlighters. Today is your day, okay? So you are going to enjoy the next few moments as we walk through this particular passage together. Now, before we do, I want to set the scene for you, if I could. You see, Psalm 133 is actually a wisdom psalm. Now, let's just pause there for a moment because I think one of the things that's been lacking for us recently has been wisdom. Um, That's something we're not hearing a lot of right now in our current culture. And so, here we have a wisdom psalm. It's a song of ascent, which is a part of a bundle of psalms that the faithful would worship together. Now, before we went into quarantine with COVID-19, we actually walked through each of these particular psalms together as the faithful on Wednesday nights. And so here we are back into it. Now, clearly this psalm is ascribed to David. Now, we don't know, scholars don't even know. In fact, they argue over the history of the origin of this psalm. In other words, they, they argued over what was happening at the time when David was writing this particular psalm, but nevertheless, we do know that this psalm celebrates the beauty of the faithful dwelling together in unity. And so what we're going to see is we're going to see verse 1, which sets up our central truth, and then from there, verse 2 and verse 3 are going to give us similes, two very powerful similes that describe the blessing that comes when the faithful of God are unified together, which is both the calling and the command of each one of us as believers in Jesus Christ. So though short, only three verses, this psalm would have been sung by early New Testament believers or early New Testament Christians to express their joy for the unity that now exists between Jews and Gentiles. And they would sing praise to God because they would recognize that that unity exists because of Jesus Christ and Christ alone. So today... What I want us to do is, I want us to unpack this passage verse by verse. And we are really, again, if you're one of those note takers, today is your day. We're going to look into uh, several of these words together um, that we are going to study. And we're going to hopefully understand what it means to be called to dwell together. So let's just go ahead and look back at this passage beginning in verse one. Verse one says, Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Okay, let's just unpack it for a moment the first thing we see is this word behold. Now again, if you're one of those people that underline or circle, that's a good word to circle or underline in red pen in particular. Because you see, when you see the word behold in scripture, the use of this word is supposed to call special attention to what it is that is about to be said. In other words, when you see the word behold, it's almost like the author or the writer of that particular passage is saying to you, underline or note what it is that's about to be said next, because what is about to be said is extremely important. Now, from there, we move in and we see the phrase, how good and pleasant it is. Now, again, if you're one of those people that underline in your Bible, I would underline and circle the word good and the word pleasant. Now, the word good literally translates into good. However, for the word pleasant, that word could actually mean sweet or Beautiful or even delightful. So what you have with the word pleasant here is a word that can be interchanged with several other words that we have. What we see happening by the use of the word good and pleasant or good and delightful or good and beautiful is we are now seeing a moment where God, through David, is giving us something that is clearly good, it is clearly delightful, it is clearly beautiful and what we know of God is this if God says it is good then we as believers should pay special attention to follow what it is that God will say is good from there we move to the word brothers now again I would maybe put that word in quotations if you will or brackets however you do it don't let me mess up your notes by the way But I would make a note of the word brothers because, you see, that word could actually mean brothers and sisters. What we see here by the word brothers is we're not speaking specifically to men. Rather, we are speaking specifically of the family of God. We are speaking directly to our relatives. And so the truth is this from this this word brothers is all of us here as believers in God are a part of the family of God. So if you are a professing believer of Jesus Christ, if you can stand and declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, then you are a part of the brothers. You are a part of the brothers and sisters. You are a part of the family that is being spoken of here. Now, if you need any more help understanding that, then let me encourage you to turn over to a Disney musical and begin singing to yourself, we are all in this together. There's a dance that goes with it and I'm not doing it. You see, the reality is all of us, as brothers and sisters in Christ, all of us, including all of mankind, all of creation, All who are created in the image of God, we are all collectively a part of the creation that is God's and belongs to God. So as believers, we need to recognize that we are a part of the one family of God. In fact, when you read Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6, listen to these words as Paul speaks them to the church at Ephesus. He says that there is one body and one spirit just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. In other words... Ephesians 4, verse 4 and 6, just like Psalm 133, verse 1. Each of these go along with what we have been saying that we want our church to be known for. We've been saying this since day one. We've been saying that as the one family of God, we are called to be together as one. So hear this as the family of God. When a brother in Christ or when a sister in Christ is hurting, then we as the one family of God should hurt with them. You see, this is a season for us where we need to listen more. This is a season for us where we need to speak less. This is a season for us where we need to gain understanding. We are in a season as the family of God, as brothers and sisters in Christ, where we need to come together Break bread together. Get beyond your social norms. Get beyond the groups you normally hang out with and spend time with those who may be a little different than you. You see, when we look back at our text, verse 1 is teaching us That it is good and delightful when we, as the family of God, and when we, as mankind, made in the image of God, live in peace and harmony with one another. So, if you want something to fight about... If you are here and you are looking for something to fight, if you are ready to walk out today and jump back on social media and begin to fight, then may I suggest to you, if you are going to fight for anything, then fight for what it says in Psalm verse 133 verse 1. Fight for peace. Fight for unity. Stop fighting one another and you see already in verse one here is the beauty of this particular moment you see as believers in Christ a part of the family of God the highest unity that we can achieve is to be brothers and sisters in Christ in fact, as we read Psalm 133, verse 1, and then you skip ahead into the Gospels, remember, we just finished Mark. We were just talking about this. We are called to be examples of true love who have a common zeal for truth, a common zeal for holiness, and a hope that is all centered on Jesus Christ as our Lord. You see, it is the highest obligation of the believer to dwell together in love and in unity i mean just think about this for a moment think about it within the context of the church today you see churches by god's grace are just like us today they are gathered all over our community They have gathered all over our state. Now, some have chosen to wait a few more weeks, and we pray for them, and we praise God for them. But a day is coming where churches all over our nation will reopen. But in the meantime, let's recognize that when we gather as a church, we're not gathered here because of race. We're not gathered here because of gender. We're not gathered here because of our age or because of our life stage. We're not gathered by our socioeconomic status. Rather, we are gathered because of the fact that our hope is found in the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ and Christ alone. You see, Jesus is the reason we are here. The reason why the church exists is because the victory that can be found in Christ. Jesus is the central truth to why we gather. Now we move from there and we see the word brothers. We move on from brothers and we see this phrase, brothers who dwell in unity. Now let's just look at the word unity here because literally you could translate that to mean this, the closest unity again, what we see happening in Psalm 133 verse 1 is a calling to fight for peace. And it's not just peace within ourselves or within our homes or within other areas, which we are going to get into more a little bit later. But in the midst of this moment, what we're seeing already from verse 1 is we are already seeing a powerful statement being made to the faithful believers of God. And so what I want us to do now is move on from verse 1 and look at what this peace and unity looks like according to God as we jump into verse 2. You see verse 2 it says, it is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard on the beard of Aaron running down on the collar of his robes. Now here we have our first simile that is describing to us what it is supposed to look like when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. The first thing I want us to note is we have this word precious. Now, precious is actually the same word that we see already in verse 1 when you have the word good. And so what's being claimed here according to verse 2 is that clearly this is of God. And since it is of God, it can now be declared that it is good. Now, what we see happening that's being described in verse 2 is we're literally seeing the moment where Aaron is being consecrated to the office of priest. If you want to know more about that, you can go back and read Exodus chapter 30. Now, this moment is called a holy anointing, if you will. And it would have been one of those moments that if you were there experiencing Aaron being anointed, then you would have experienced something that would have been remarkable to the senses because of the sweet aroma of the oils that were being poured over him. You see, this oil would have run down from the top of his head, through his beard, and then onto the top collar of his robe. And so what was happening by this ointment being poured over Aaron is he is now being set apart as holy. He is now being set apart as consecrated to God's will and God's purpose. So think about this in terms of verse 1. You see, as we dwell together in unity, we are taught that by being a unified body of believers... That now we too are set apart. We are being shown that being a unified body of believers who dwell together in unity, we are now being used for the purpose of God and therefore fulfilling the will of God. You see, by living in unity, we are being set apart, we are being marked as different from the world. Now that's important because, again, if you've been paying attention over the past week or two, our world has become divided. Our country has become so divisive over what's being said and what's being spoken of with with what has happened recently with George Floyd. You see, I'm going to go ahead and step out on a limb here for a moment. It doesn't matter what news station you're watching. It could be Fox News, it could be CNN, it could be any other news channels you want to listen to. None of our news are objective anymore. In fact, the first time in two weeks that I've heard our news actually agree on something was with yesterday's weather. They got that one right. But beyond that, that's it. Everything else that we see and hear and read in the news, there is some sort of bend to it. And so what we see as we come back into verse 2, this calling to dwell together in unity is like being set apart or consecrated for the purpose of God in the same way that Aaron was. We are now being declared good by God, and therefore we are carrying out the calling that he has placed on each one of us. Think about this in terms of Deuteronomy chapter 14 verse 2, which says, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God and the Lord has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the people who are on the face of the earth Again, hear the words from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, which says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his light. Here we are as believers. You see, we are God's chosen people. We are God's elect. We are the ones who have been set apart by God. Notice that when you read in Deuteronomy and here in 1 Peter, notice this about these particular passages. Notice there is no mention of status. Notice there's no mention of race. There's just... Simply those who are chosen by God, and therefore they are set apart by the atoning work of Jesus Christ. And so, our call as God's people is to live set apart for His purpose. And so, we have to ask ourselves at this point how are we setting the example for the world to follow when it comes to dwelling together in unity? How are we showing our world that we are called to dwell together in close unity? You see, we need to be careful what we say and what we do with our words because whether we intend to or not, our words, our posts, they can become divisive. And that is clearly not the call of the believer. From there, we move into verse 3. We see this. It says, It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing life forevermore. Now, here's our second simile. We see this phrase, The dew of Hermon. Now, a lot of scholars have argued over which particular mountain range is being referenced here or talked about here, but what we do know is this we know that when the dew falls, it produces fruitfulness and therefore allows growth in the plants, the shrubs, and the trees within the valleys. Now, this is important because dew is actually crucial to the growth of vegetation, it's crucial to the growth of food, especially during the dry season so as believers thinking about ourselves in our current context when we are together in unity then we too are more fruitful and therefore we are and we become blessings to our brothers and sisters and to those who are around us so let's think about that for a moment when we say things are we edifying one another When we post articles, are we pushing and encouraging people towards Jesus Christ? Or are we further dividing our church, which thus further divides our country? Now, I love the phrase that's here as well. You see, it says, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing. Again, if you're one of those people that you underline in your Bible, underline this phrase, for there the Lord. Now, what this does is it's actually supposed to point us back to the place where we are called to dwell together in verse 1. You see, when the believers dwell together in perfect unity, there the Lord can be found. Now, I love what John Calvin says about this particular passage. He says, The figure of the dew distilling upon Mount Zion and Hermon denotes that a holy unity has not only a sweet Savior before God, but it is productive of good effects, as the dew moistens the earth and supplies it with sap, And freshness. In other words, Calvin notes that there is both a spiritual and an eternal blessing when we are connected together in unity, when we are connected together in faith, and we are connected together in expectation and in worship. Thus why we are called, according to Psalm 133, verse 1, to dwell together. You see, as members, a part of the family of God, covenanted, uh, covenanted together as the family of God, in this place, by Jesus Christ, we are called to fight for unity. And in doing so, we will be fruitful and therefore become a blessing to others. You see, that is the call of the believer. So now we have to ask this question. Why do we fight for unity? Why do we fight for dwelling together? Well, it's pretty easy when you look at verse one, or Psalm 133. You see, for David, we don't know where David is in this moment, but David would be a good person to write Psalm 133. You see, David had already seen envy and how it tears people apart. David has seen malice and how it rips apart families. David had seen and experienced a civil war. He had seen and experienced jealousy both within himself and also with those around him. He has experienced strife and grief and frustrations. He has seen how each of these things rip apart families, rip apart homes, and can rip apart communities. You see, David had seen it all and therefore that is why in this moment, He is calling for unity. You see, unity, whether uh, civil or religious, is productive for both profit, in other words, providing welfare and security, but also for pleasure, which brings about great delight and joy. And so, again, if we are going to fight for anything, let us fight for peace. You see, we need to fight for peace in our homes when we argue and fight within our homes as moms and as dads and as kids, then peace leaves the home. The home is no longer a place of refuge for us and for those who come in. If we are going to fight for peace, let us fight for peace in our neighborhoods. You see, a neighborhood without peace will eventually die. We know from 1 Corinthians chapter 6 that one of the greatest curses to a community is quarreling. If we are going to fight for peace, man, let's fight for peace within our churches you see, there is no command of Jesus Christ more weighty than the one we see in Mark chapter 9, verse 50. It says that salt is good, but if that salt has lost its saltiness, how will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. If we as a church begin to fight... If we as a church begin to spread rumors, if we as a church begin to chatter about one another and bring about divisiveness, if we as a church begin to believe that we gather for the purpose of simply being together or we gather for the purpose of Sunday school or for whatever fellowship event we're doing... If all of a sudden we find ourselves talking to other people and instead of building up and edifying the church, we spend our time tearing the church down and attacking the church, then we stand to lose peace within our church and therefore we lose our witness to the community. You see, that part is important because as a church, we are supposed to look different. Do you know what's amazing to me? I have yet to find a passage in scripture that talks about how when we get to heaven, we will all still be gathered in our separate churches. I don't see that passage. I'm not quite sure I'm even comfortable with that thought. I'm going to go ahead and be honest with you. When When I die and go to glory... I'm not looking for the south side section. Okay? I love you. I hope you love me. I'm looking forward to being gathered with the peoples, the ethne of all ethnicities, people of all languages and all tribes, as is described in Revelation, coming together and praising and proclaiming the name of Jesus, declaring that he alone is Lord. So if that is the expectation of what is to come in future worship, then shouldn't that be the expectation of our church today? We need to stand unified as a church. Martin Luther says it best. He says, when there are dissensions, divisions, and discord within the church, there you will find the dwelling of Satan. That man does not mix words. You see, religion itself, missions, evangelism, the gospel itself, the gospel witness of a place suffers greatly when the family of God are alienated from one another and therefore they view one another with an evil eye. Again, as believers, we are called to live in peace We see this in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and again in Philippians chapter 4. We are called to live in peace, but we are called to allow God's peace to be within us. So as we're fighting for peace in our church, let's continue to fight for peace within our nation. Now again, this is something we're seeing played out every day. Nothing will plunge a nation into the horrors of poverty and violence and blood than the sickened souls of men. No nation can preserve its freedom in the midst of continual warfare with itself. And so here lies our issue today. Again, we have brothers and sisters who are hurting. There are Brothers and sisters who are people of color who are trying to make sense of what has been happening in our country and they are grieving and they are hurting and they are wondering who will be next. They are wondering if it will be one of their children that is next. I'm going to take this a step further. We have good, honest cops who are hurting and their families are hurting and they grieve with George Floyd's family and they too are wondering if they will be next. Just pause for a moment and think about it. How close do we have to get to the situation before we realize that as a church we are commanded to respond? How close do we have to get as a church to realize that we have brothers and sisters who need to be lifted up? They need to be held up. They need to be encouraged. How close does it have to get before we respond? See, you see, the the issue that I have right now is too many of us are, are being reactive in this moment. The reality is we should be proactive, saying, no, no, this is what the Word of God commands us to do. The Word of God commands us to dwell in unity and to do so together and so I am going to stand with my brothers and sisters I'm going to hurt with my brothers and sisters I'm going to love on them and encourage them and I'm going to support them in any way possible because I recognize they are hurting and I hope and pray that one day regardless of what the situation may be when I find myself in that position where I too am hurting I am hoping and praying that my brothers and sisters in Christ will rally around me and lift me up as well you see it is our biblical responsibility to lift one another up. It is our biblical responsibility to encourage one another, to edify one another, to challenge one another, and to spurn one another on in our growth and discipleship as we draw closer to the day that is coming. And so if we are going to do anything today, Let us stand together. May we learn together. May we listen together. And may we fight for peace within our homes, within our communities, within our church, and yes, within our nation. You see, what is happening in our country right now is not an issue of law and order. Rather, it is a sin-sick issue that has been with us since the birth of our country so if we are going to reason together at any moment let's stop pointing the finger stop making excuses and let's start listening hear these words racism is wrong Racism is sin. This is a sin issue that, like all sin issues, this particular sin issue, because of our current climate, is not something that is to be taken lightly. Should we respond, though, with divisiveness? No. Should we respond by committing crimes in order to justify the crime that was committed no what does that resolve nothing it just makes it worse should we sit idly by and do absolutely nothing no should we write this situation off because it does not directly affect us no should we begin to politicize this issue and therefore make it about politics and no longer about people? The answer to that question is a resounding no. You see, the truth is, racism does affect us. It affects us because a part of our body is hurting. And so together, we need to listen Together we need to learn, together we need to hurt, and together we need to begin the process of healing because as a church, we are in this fight as well. So if you ask me, where do I stand today? I choose to fight for peace. I choose to fight for dwelling together in unity. I choose to stand together with my brothers and sisters hurting the next, I choose to stand with my brothers and sisters, my my people of color who are hurting the next couple weeks. I choose to stand with my family and my friends, the the people that I know that are are good and honest police officers, and I choose to stand with them today because I choose to fight for unity because the word of God tells us how good and beautiful it is when the family of God dwell together in the closest unity. My prayer is that we would begin the process of healing. And so that's what I will stand for. I am standing for a day where all people have equal opportunity, regardless of background, regardless of socioeconomic status, regardless of skin color, and I will not allow politics to dictate to that, that to me. I will allow the word of God to drive me. That is where I stand. You see when we look at this passage in this its context, this we see that peace is clearly a great blessing. And so as a church, we are called to fight for unity. We are called to maintain our ability to dwell together. As a church, as a nation, we need to prize highly the incredible blessings of peace and being unified and so my prayer is that as a church with all of our sister churches may we be the ones who set the example and may we stand together with our brothers and sisters, recognizing that, again, this is not a political issue. This is a sin issue, and that sin issue needs to be addressed. And if we are going to address it, let it start within us, and let it start with the conversations that we need to be having with one another. You see, my prayer is that we would pray earnestly that a day will come where we all will live and lead quiet peaceful lives with all godliness with holiness longing for the day of jesus's return but until that day may we as believers set the example and may we learn what it means to dwell together in perfect and in the closest unity let's pray together